The message you're about to hear is from the stable of the Capstone Church Without Walls. Right, I want to welcome everyone here tonight. And um, I just want to share with us again what I call the times of the Gentiles. And that will be like part three. That's the way God is. He just continues to expand and continue to expose his will to us. And as we follow him continually, we can't but be changed. Amen. All right, let's hear from the mouth of Jesus something he said to us in the book of John chapter 12, verse 47 to verse 50. I intend to take us through a bit of reading tonight in the word of God. Jesus said, the word I speak unto you, they are what? They are spirit and they are life. Amen. John chapter 12, in verse 47 to verse 50. Bible says, as for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I do not come to judge the world but to save it. What did Jesus say he came to do? What did Jesus say he came not to do? He did not come to judge the world. And uh, let's take that as a cue. That if Jesus came to save the world, then we ought to be concerned and involved in that assignment. Secondly, if Jesus did not come to judge the world, so also we shouldn't judge the world but really seek to save it. So Jesus said, There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. Now this is getting serious. Jesus talking about the words he speaks. It's meant to craft mentalities. It's meant to craft attitude. It's meant to change perception. It's meant to produce an internal change for an outward manifestation. And he says, if anybody receive this word, believes it. He says, he will be rewarded. But he says, if you uh, reject the word and does not accept the word, this very word which I spoke, he says, it will be condemned at the last day. Alright, so like, like saying, God is saying, now everyone has an opportunity to receive the instruction of Jesus. Everyone has an opportunity to like hear the gospel and respond favorably to the gospel. But like God is saying something like there is a moment, there is a gap, there is a, there is a, a timeline in which to do this. Because a time is going to come when the age will be wrapped up and then we will announce the trumpet will sound. The angels of God will announce what is called the last day. And the moment that happens, everything is going to change. Which means that people are not going to be able to discard or do whatever it is with the opportunity to receive Jesus the moment that last day comes. And Jesus says the moment the last day comes the next thing that all humans are faced with is God's judgment. So clearly one of the key things that I want to say tonight to every one of us listening tonight is that there is a time when God will judge the world. We'll judge believers, we'll judge unbelievers. Now, the judgments will be different, okay? The judgment for unbelievers will be, you are given an opportunity to receive Jesus, to be saved, and to have your sins forgiven, to have, your, the, to have the blood of Jesus cleanse you from sin, but you rejected it, and so this is the judgment. Now, for the children of God, God will say, you had an opportunity to serve me, and you've served me well. Enter the joy of your father. Do you know, you know, you know remember that experience? Jesus said, and then he will say, faithful servant, enter the joy of your harvest because you have been faithful in that which was little. Or the converse will be the case. If when God wraps up this age and you are found as a believer, child of God, having them washed by the blood of Jesus, uh, found wanting, not working, not serving, living for yourself and living for your own dream and or your own stuff alone, which sadly, a lot of uh, theology are skewed towards Praise God. I mean, self-help. Self-help services. Self-help church. And I'm telling you, this doesn't work. There is a price to pay for being a child of God. Now, I know that because it's not hip to say that, and because for those of us who are pastors and leading churches, we may lose a few, or let me not say a few, we may lose a lot of people in our church if we actually preach the true gospel, which is anybody who wants to serve Jesus will have to carry his cross, count the cost, and follow me. 
I, I saw a, a, somebody today who had known for, I don't know, for how many years, for like, at least I've known her for, she's about 60 years right now, and I've known her for like, I mean, my first encounter with her was about, um, let's say about uh, 18 years ago, there about, and she was not married that time, and she has not, she's not married now, and she's still serving the Lord. And I saw her walk past me some, a couple of hours back. And I said that if someone is 60 years old, a woman, 60 years old, and she's not married and still serving the Lord, the world, the concept of the church, as we preach church gospel today, has no, people like that have no say in the church. They have no room to talk about, to stand in the church and testify. They are not, they are, they are confined. They are, they are ostracized. Because what have they got to show, to show for their life? You are 60 years old. You don't have a husband. You don't have a child. You don't even have a car. You don't have a good job or whatever it is. And these things have switched us from preaching the gospel to preaching humanism, which is good, but it helps for so long because the moment the devil attacks you, then you go back and you say you don't want to serve God anymore. I also read the story of a man, again, today also, a man who used to serve the Lord and, 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 and love Jesus and, and was always, you know, in church. And then something happened and uh, something changed. He didn't have job or what is something. Maybe he lost job or whatever. And then he backslid it. He backslid it and wasn't going to serve God anymore and went into fetish things. And then now this evangelist met up with the family and then they began to preach to the children, and then the children took them home, only for the for the for the for the for this evangelist to get to this home and find out that the head of the home, the father, was a great was a member of a church, a very father member of the church, at the ministerial level. But at a point, he backslided and said God was no longer good and went back to fetish things. But but thank God for His mercies. They preached to him. He repented. Got restored. And then the joy of heaven filled that home again. I'm trying to say to you that the true concept that Jesus had in mind, okay, is uh, a serious thing. Kingdom business, church, Christianity, or the faith is a very serious to be issue. It can't be bought with money. It is not fanciful. It's serious business. Amen. It's cost God the most valuable thing heaven can produce in Jesus to give us this faith. We cannot, and I stand here to say, we have no right, no preacher has any right to reduce the kingdom of God to issue of food and drink and clothes. The kingdom of God is in righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. Come on, say it class. Say righteousness. It's in righteousness. Right standing with God in such a way that when you're standing with God between heaven and earth, you know that you have a stand with God. That's kingdom. That's church. Hallelujah. Do you have that stand? Can you beat your chest as you are right now and say, I have a right standing with God. The kingdom of God is righteousness. Kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. Kingdom of God is peace of God. Amen. All right, I don't know how I got here, but we are here somewhere. Okay? <laughs> We're talking about the gospel, talking about the kingdom, and I'm talking about the times of the Gentiles. So God says, a time is going to come when the gospel will have to be preached because that, that room is created by God for a moment. But it's not going to, be, not going to last forever. Verse 47, where I read, now look at verse 48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke with condemned at last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. The command, the word of Jesus leads to what? Eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This is what Jesus said. So we want to deal with the concept of eternal life. We want to look at the concept of the last day. We want to look at the concept of, of the impact that the words of Jesus is supposed to have on the earth. We also want to look at what is the purpose statement. What is the reason why Jesus came to die? Jesus came to save humanity. Amen. Alright. Now, let's read a scripture. Let's read the book of Isaiah 53. Beautiful scripture. Isaiah 53, please. From verse 1 to 12. 
Because we, when we're talking about the gospel, we need to talk about Jesus. And I really want us to talk about Jesus um, you know, fully. Isaiah 53, from verse 1 to 12. Who has believed that message? And to whom has the harm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our message? And to whom has the harm of the Lord been revealed? Now this is talking about the believism of the message of the gospel. And this discourse tonight, we are going to examine some questions and provide answers from the word of God. Who has believed that message? And to whom has the harm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Who is this talking about? Hello, who is this talking about? So Isaiah was writing prophetically about Jesus. And then in verse 5 it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. That's what he did. It was pierced for our transgressions and this transgression of the old world. And it was crushed for the iniquities of the old world. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. So we, for us to be able to have the peace of the kingdom of God, it has, it has to cost the blood of Jesus. So the peace that we have, the joy that we have, has come at very high cost to Jesus. And that is the fundamental principle of the gospel. That this gospel that we preach, that this gospel that we, we are enjoying, or that this gospel we have been mandated to preach has come at very high cost to the Son of God. It's cost him his life. He's given us, he's bought us peace, but it's cost him death. He's bought us healing, but it's cost him piercing for our transgression. And that is the that is the basis of the of our joy as a believer. Nothing should matter to you other than what the blood of Jesus has given to you. Nothing should matter to you on the earth other than the price that Jesus paid for you. And I'm saying this today. If you have all the money in the world and you do not have Jesus, you are a sorry case. Jesus makes all the difference. Knowing Jesus, having that peace of Jesus in your heart, knowing that your transgressions have been carried away by him and that your iniquities God remembers no more because you have been washed in by that blood of the sinless son of God there's nothing as beautiful as that nothing as therapeutic as that and I know today I preach the gospel I drive car I, I look nice I smell nice okay I, I jump all over the place but it didn't start like this I started with understanding that true joy and true life is in knowing Jesus and I walked forward that day some 30 something years ago and gave my heart to him as a poor young man when I had the gospel and over the years I've seen what the power of the blood of Jesus can do to transform a person's life if someone is sick if someone's destiny is circumvented don't give them money give them Jesus and, and if we understand this every one of us will take it as a primary responsibility to preach nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified that's what Paul says so I don't want to wish any, to know anything among you guys Okay, other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified, He says, "For we preach not ourselves, but we preach Jesus crucified." And my prayer is that God will change our theology, and God will bring back, restore truth, restore His truth, His true gospel to our churches today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! He says, "If you get the real gospel, if you really get saved genuinely, sincerely with the true gospel, you will never do some things that you are doing today." Hallelujah. But until you have taught the true gospel, I'm not talking about church service. Until you have taught the true gospel, you don't know how to live. You don't know how to please God. You don't know what it means to live a righteous life in Christ. But the moment you come into an understanding of the gospel, then you can live that righteous life that is pleasing to God. Amen. So this is, this is so Isaiah was throwing this up to us and saying, we have this assurance because his back was broken. His side was pierced. Amen. And his body 
and his body was broken for us. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed, he said. We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Can someone say praise the Lord? And this is the message that we have for our world. That the world doesn't need to carry, does not need to carry their sins and does not carry the anger of their sin, of our wrecked life. That Jesus already paid the price. This is the message. Jesus already paid the price for sin. And sin not to, ought not to have dominion over us anymore. If all men will come to God through Christ, humble their heart and say, I know I'm a sinner and I just can't help myself. But the Bible tells me that the blood of Jesus has freed me from the scourge and the hold of iniquity. Hallelujah. And only the gospel can do that. Not correctional facilities. That's why people go to prison and they, walk, they come out worse. What's up for it? Nothing can change a person's life. Nothing can change a person's perspective but the gospel of Jesus. Only the gospel can change your life forever. And I want to ask, let you know that you need the gospel. Not only for yourself, but you need to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Stop giving people advice. Give them Jesus. Someone understand that? Stop giving them books to read. Give them Jesus. Because then once, once Jesus goes with them, he can go to them into the corner of their homes. He can go to them into the secret place of their heart. And then he can do an internal, an eternal work of grace that you can never do. That's why we preach Jesus. Amen. That's why we, we, we have church. That's why we plant churches. That's why we leave our careers to come and preach this. It has to cost you. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. It must cost you. Because it costs God, his son. Is somebody following me tonight? And that's the message of God. All right. So, so Isaiah was re- reading. I just want us. To, I want us to see Jesus because many times we talk about the gospel, we don't, but we don't know what the gospel is. But we just say the gospel, the gospel. Every preacher claims to be preaching the gospel. You know, we all claim to be preaching the gospel. <laughs> you get it? It sounds nice. The English is proper. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. But um, I don't know what it is the gospel because it doesn't change anybody's life. Because until Jesus is involved. Until the blood of Jesus is thrummed up as central and pivotal, no life can pivot. It's very important. So it's the blood of Jesus that pivots us. It's the blood of Jesus that raises our life high above the things of the world. And there are a lot of things in the world. If you go through the life, life every day, except the life of God is in you, you will drown in this world in which we live in. You will drown. You can't survive. Whether you are pastor, bishop, apostle, nobody can survive the toxic day in which we live in. Only the blood of Jesus. And that's why we need to continue to trump up that blood. That our help is in this name. And that our salvation is in the blood of Jesus. Someone say, my salvation is in the blood of Jesus. Alright, so Isaiah continues to read here in verse 7. He says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before, as shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he himself had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. This is talking about Jesus now. Yet, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering... That's, that's what Jesus says. Jesus is our guilt offering. is our sin offering. is our perfect sin offering. Amen. It's the perfect offering for sin. is the eternal offering for sin. It's one and all offering for sin. Amen. And this is what Isaiah tapped into 600 years before Jesus was even born. And it was, God was showing me this thing. And God was revealing to him what was about to come and what was going to be the hope in which the world will rest their faith, which is Jesus. And we thank God because that which Isaiah saw and prophesied about that was going to come, it has now come. It came 2,000 years ago. And here today, 2,000 years after, we are still benefiting from it. And we have a mandate to continue to carry this legacy of this grace that came through the blood of Jesus into generations yet unborn. We have to teach our children, our children's children. Hallelujah. The, the, the truth that the blood of Jesus cleanses from every sin. Not fad, not fancy, not a not nice idea, praise God, but the blood. Someone say the blood of Jesus. Which makes the gospel very simple. The gospel is very simple. The simplicity of the gospel. You mean that my life can be changed just by believing in the blood of Jesus Christ? That should, I mean, that, that's too simplistic. But that's how God is. Hallelujah. 
And so we believe in the blood. We believe in Jesus. We believe in his death. We believe in the sacrifice he paid. We believe in the price. We believe he hung on the cross. We believe he died. We believe he went into the grave. We believe he was buried. We believe that on the third day he rose from the grave for our justification. So that in the court of heaven, when the devil accuses us, Jesus is our advocate. He rises up and defends us and says, guilty. No, no, not guilty. Free from sin. Because there's always an accusation against you in heaven's court. You don't know it. The devil is never resting on your case. He's always accusing you. And what you say, what you do, what you did not do, what you're supposed to do well, what you did not do well, what you did not do on time, how you did it excessively, he's going to accuse you. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. You see, the blood of Jesus. The Bible said there is one mediator between God and mankind and the man Jesus. And so Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. And it's all founded on this thing, Isaiah 53. And that's why, that's why I did before I share anything with you tonight, because it's possible to share very big exegetical stuff. Okay, and, leave the, and leave the substance, the simple substance of the gospel. That everything we're talking about is founded, is foundational and premised on what Jesus did. And the blood that he shed. Everything. Great church, great healings, breakthroughs, salvation of souls, deliverances, miracles, signs and wonders, open heavens, open doors, whatever it is, is founded on this one thing. Because Isaiah said this. Let's look at it. He says, where was I to help me? Verse, I think verse, verse 8. Was it verse 8? Verse 10. Thank you. He says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Hallelujah. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and he will be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's where our justification is in the revelation that Jesus gives us. That revelation begins to come when we open our heart and receive him as Lord and Savior. And if there be any person here today, young or old, who has not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are still in your sin. You cannot have a revelation of God. Read everything. Read anything. Go to any church. Talk to any prophet. There are certain revelations of God that you need for your life that are customized to you. If you want to have access to, the, to, the, to, God's, to God's plan, eternal plan for your life, you have to come through Jesus. Only through the blood of Jesus can you have your heart open to the purpose for your creation. Only. If not, you do somebody else's job, you marry somebody else's wife, you live in somebody else's neighborhood, you do somebody else's course, you get killed by the devil before your time. You understand what I'm saying? So, the, the knowledge the, the blood of Jesus and the access we have to the blood of Jesus gives us the revelation for our life that we need to excel. Praise God. That's why we tell people, when somebody comes to the gospel, it may be broke, it may never have gone to school, it may be rich, super rich, or super poor. It changes nothing. The gospel is an equalizer. That's why I tell people, this is the Capstone Church, one of our key principles is equalization. If you come into the gospel, you'll become, we're all the same. Whether you are from a very poor family or you are from a very rich background, we don't care. Jesus equalizes everybody. He said, you understand this? That's why, that's why don't let me see you bimu in the church. I know people. That's what they use in this language. Bimu, is that right? That means that you, you, you pride yourself. You, okay? you have nothing. The only thing you have is what Jesus purchased for you, his blood. Not even a fame, famous name. You understand? Not even your brilliance or your beauty because that can fade. Only what you have in Christ is yours. And I stand here tonight before making my boast in the Lord that I know him, that I gave my heart to him, that he washed me from sin. And what I'm traveling, the road I'm traveling right now, he charted it for me. And I, if you, in case you do not understand, I always tell you this. I'm not this smart, naturally. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hello, people. So I don't get it twisted. The, but Jesus makes a difference. Are you, see, are you here with me this I'm just talking to you about how the power, how powerful the name of Jesus is, how powerful salvation is. And if we understand how powerful salvation is and the import of it, then it will help us to receive the salvation and then to also give it to those that we know that are actually frustrated and are in the snare of the devil. 
if we really understand the import and the power of the gospel, we will take it everywhere. The reason we don't take the gospel everywhere is because we don't believe it ourselves. We haven't had an encounter with God ourselves. Or we don't value the gospel. We don't think, we do not think it's the power of God unto salvation of all men. We, have, we hear it preaching church. Okay? And we, a lot of times we don't even know why pastors are excited to talk about Jesus in the midst of all this thing. But the reason is Christ in me, what is it? The hope of all glory. Anybody stay anybody here with me? Alright, so, so, so listen to this. So Isaiah continues saying, And after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of his life and be, and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Praise the Lord. He will bear their iniquities. However terrible. That's what I say to people. Forget, oh. You better pray before you leave your home that God will protect you and secure you. Because that arm robber can kill you dead tomorrow. Not you, somebody else. Amen. Because you're under the canopy of God. Hello, people. Do I have a witness here? How many people are under the canopy of God? All right, angels covering you. But I'm telling you, don't be reckless. Don't be careless with your life. Keep yourself in the love of God. Because right out there, there is a devil rampaging. You know, Satan can use an agent of his to waste somebody who doesn't have a covenant with Jesus. And the following two nights after, that person is standing forward, giving his life to Jesus. And he seems to be forgiven in such a way that God will think, you would, God will say, he never sinned. You will fight God. Though. Because, how can God say that the person never sinned? This person that wasted everybody in, in, in Meduguri and now comes and says, the blood of Jesus cleansed me, and he says he's forgiven. Ah, no, God, that's unfair. So, the truth of the matter is, the gospel has that power. That's why, you see, if you do not, re- if you don't recognize it, I feel sorry for you. But the devil recognizes it and he shudders. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Uh, anybody still here with me? I'm still talking about Jesus, the power, of, the power and blood of Jesus, and Jesus being the co- being the core of what we are dealing with in church. Amen. And I'm deliberately taking time to read the book of Isaiah because yeah, I'm talking about times of Gentiles, but if we do not understand it, it just be it just be an exercise in theory. And I don't want to teach theory. Praise the name of Jesus. I want, us to, I want us to touch Jesus. I want us to touch his glory, touch his name, touch, his, touch the power of his blood, touch his forgiveness. Know that however terrible our life had been, he can forgive us and cleanse us and make us look as if we never sinned. Praise the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says, and they will bear their iniquities. Verse 12. Therefore, I will, I will give him a portion among the great and divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost a little bit? I just feel a little bit. I just feel like praying in the Spirit a little bit. I just do that in the Spirit. You know, that's like thanksgiving in the Spirit. Giving thanks in the Spirit. But I say in that hour, Jesus gave thanks in the Spirit. They just give God thanks in the spirit for, for this one. So this is the weight of what we have. This is the, this is the quantum of what, we, what I have in Christ Jesus. Oh, Lord, I give you praise for it. If I understand this, if I catch a revelation of this, there's nothing that can throw my way that would, dep- that would depress me. Because I know that I have a hope. Because Jesus already bought the price. Paid the price. And if you can have the sin issue dealt with in your life, you have everything you need. The sin is what Satan uses to accuse you. Is that thing? Is that is that hole that it that it bores into your life, and through which it comes in? That's what Satan does. Your whole life can be a whole lot, big, massive, amazing, impenetrable, but sin perforates it a little bit, a little bit, anywhere, somewhere, and then and then the 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 the, the filth and the death of Satan can can who can come in can sneak into your life, but the blood of Jesus will shut that. The blood of Jesus will seal that hole and seal that puncture. Praise God. Whether that puncture has been inflicted on you by circumstances, by parent, by bad parenting. Many of us are, are victims of bad parenting, um, failed states, uh, failed politics, damaged economies, whatever it is. But the blood of Jesus. Someone say the blood of Jesus. Yes. The blood of Jesus will guarantee us safety, protection, and healing. I just even can't thank the Lord enough tonight. All right. So it's on the basis of this that Jesus began to we want to go on tonight. Uh, let's read another scripture because I'm talking about the times of the Gentiles. For those of you who are just joining us online or offline, the times of the Gentiles. And I want the scripture to explain to us. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6, verse 10 to 13. Isaiah 6, 10 to 13, please. Amen. 
Isaiah 6, 10 to 13. Are you there with me? And it says this, verse 9. Let's go back to verse 9. It says, go and tell these people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people calloused. Make their hearts dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn to me and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? God is talking to the house of Israel. He says, I'm going to see your revelation. I'm not, you're not going to be able to have access to the things of God, of the Spirit. And so the prophet was having this conversation with God. And he said, but God, that's extreme. Okay, how long? And then God had this reply. He says, then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he replied me, until. Somebody said, until. You know, that word, okay, connotes time, timeline. Hello, people, is that right? We said something will happen until this happened. That means that this will subsist on, and then time will go, and then this will come to fruition. So until is a strong word in timing, or in apportioning time. Okay. So God says to him, I want to let you understand that there's going to be a timeline between the time, between the moment that the revelation of the people, the people's inside of me is shut, and the time their inside of me will be open. And this was what God said. God gave the timing. God gave what to look out for in the timing. He says, until the cities lie ruined, and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted, and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. That means it's going to be what I'm about today is going to be without redemption. I've made up my mind to do this, to judge the house of Israel, and nothing can change it. And it says, And though a tent remains in the land, it will be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leaf stump, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. What God is saying is, I'm going to move these people, I'm going to drive them far away, to a land far away, and they will be there for such number of time until. And I said this to you, nobody could touch Israel, physically speaking, until God judged, brought this judgment on them, and then he sent them out of their land to a land far away, and they were there for 70 years, a time of 70 years. That time is the time Bible called the time of the Gentiles. Because it was that time that all the kings of the world ruled them. Babylon, Persia, uh, Cyrus, Darius, all of, all, of, all of them. Up until even the time of the Romans, they were still under that rule. So, God has an agenda. God has a plan. And God was saying there that my people, I'm going to close their eyes. Because if I don't close their eyes and close their revelation and close their heart, there will be no time when the Gentiles will be able to access me. Now, I shared this last time I spoke to you, that as we speak, this is within that timeline when the whole of Israel do not have a revelation of the saving grace of Jesus. There are a little bit of them which we call Messianic Jews. Those who believe that Jesus struggled the Messiah and he has come to die for the sin of the world, they are very few and far between. But the Bible says time is going to come when the fullness of the times of the Gentiles will have been done and then, one more time, God will give an opening of eyes and revelation to Israel to be saved. That's why in the book of Romans chapter 10, Paul says, my people are not yet saved. I pray that they be saved. Then in chapter 11, he says, the reason why they are not saved yet is because there is a God that God has which God, calls, which God calls the time of the Gentiles. And it says that when the time of the Gentiles is done and finished, then God will, the Paul used the word, it says God will graft Israel back into the root again. How many of you remember we were sharing that last time? Which means that there is a gap right now that God created for the Gentile nations. Now, last time I spoke to you, I said, you and I are people we call the Gentile nations. Now, the reason God gives us the opportunity to be saved is to take the responsibility to do all we can before that door closes. That's why our passion for evangelism and reaching the lost ought to burn more than it is burning right now. We can't wait forever. We can't wait for 10 more years. We can't wait for 15 years. We can't wait until we are 40. We can't wait until we are 60 and we retire before we begin to pray the gospel. Because God has an agenda. God has a timeline. God has a plan. And, but thank God, now we, we have that window for us. That's why some of us left our vision to be lawyer, 
Praise the name of Jesus or to whatever it is. Amen. And serve Jesus. A very high cost. Left our jobs. Praise the name of Jesus. Because the gospel compels you to a spartan life. You can't spend money anyhow. You can't indulge any way you want. Because sometimes you, you pick up a burden and then you have to fast. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, the life of the gospel, I'm trying to say to you, the life of the gospel is a very high demanding life. But that's what you have been, we have been called into. That's the cost of the blood that was shed. And if God has got, brought us into this moment, we have to seize the moment. I wish I could let the church, the universal, know that there is no time to waste, to hate, to not to forgive people, to slack back, to snooze and spill and, and snow. We have to be on rampage. We have to be aggressive. We have to go all out. Because this window that is open will soon be shut. Amen. Alright, let's take some let's take some little more journey. I read this, I read some three scriptures. Let's 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 take some things here. I wrote some things that will help you. Find them very nice, and I think you'll find them nice too. So I asked some question. What are the eyes? Why are the eyes of the Israelites blinded and the eyes darkened? And Jesus said that it says in the book of John that we read, John 14, 12, he says, I've closed their eyes that they will not believe. So that if they, so that, so that if they believe, they will get saved. And I said to you, the reason why God is doing all that, shrouding the whole heart of Israel, is so that we can, we can give room to the Gentiles to come in. Praise the name of Jesus. Let me give you some statistics. Beautiful statistics. I attended a conference a week ago, and um, she shared some statistics, and I found it very, very interesting. And it speaks a little bit to what we're dealing with. Amen. So what I'm telling you is that it is, it is, it is, there is room given to Gentiles to come into the kingdom now. Room is set for Gentiles to come into the, into the, into the kingdom. Gentiles meaning those who are non-Jews. So do you know any non-Jew? You need to go for them. Do you know anyone? White, black, Caucasian? You need to go. European, Americans, Africans, from the Pacific, Antarctic, Oceania, whatever continent of the world, Asia, you need to go after them. They are the Gentiles. And there is time right now. Now, I said this to you people. I said to people, I said, wherever you go at this level, hearing this, whatever you, wherever you go, if you relocate to China, you should start the church. But don't let them catch you. Praise the name of Jesus. If you find yourself in Togo, on secondment, start a church. If you find yourself in Canada, by mistake, you are going to America, the plane dropped in Canada. Get to Canada and do what? Start a church. How do you start it? To start the church in your home with you and your wife and your kids. Get the neighbors. Keep preaching the gospel because the window is open and it, it just will be for, for so long. There's going to be a wrapping up of the age. Jesus spoke about that. He said, I'm giving them room to hear the gospel and to receive it. He said, because time is going to come when I'm going to close the door and then it will be judgment time and then all men will be condemned who have not received me. And he called it, he said, the last day. And he, and he was speaking that on the basis of issues of eternal value. Praise the name of Jesus. And please, I want to beg you. I don't want you to please build your life on frivolities. Those of you who are children, young, old, whatever it is, whoever you are listening to me tonight, please, the layer in the day in which we live in is to build our life on fancy. Please don't build your life on fancy. Build your life on purpose. The purpose of God for your life. Find out. Now that I am saved, what is your plan for my life, God? That's the first question you need to ask. God, what's your plan for my life? And if you are sincere with the Holy Spirit, He will tell you. He will send people to you. For some people, some people have been praying that prayer and God is sending it to you tonight with an answer because that's what I know the Holy Ghost, that's what He does. Somebody is getting an answer to a question you have been asking for the last couple of weeks. You say, God, what is really is the purpose of my life? And God is asking, answering you tonight. But whoever you are, you need to make up your mind that for the rest of my life, I will live for purpose. I have wasted two years, three years, five years of my life, 15 years, 20 years. Some of you are 25. But from now onward, I'm going to live circumspectly, intentionally, asking God, how can I make a difference to reach the harvest of the Gentiles while this window is still open? Do you understand that? Because you have to ask yourself a pertinent question. If you want to, if you want to be a, a, an accurate human, okay? Who doesn't just live for food, to go sleep, to clothe, and then to go to work, and then to come back from work, and then to grow old, and then to die. 
<laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Anybody here with me? So listen to the statistics. I, I, I said I, the statistics show that the future of Christianity is in Africa and Asia. And they began to give this statistics. He said, while the Christian faith is waning in, if, in influence in Europe and America and North America, and going even below population growth, Christianity is growing twice more than population growth in Asia and Africa. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. I have my workouts every morning. As I was doing my workout yesterday, something glad in my heart. I saw this set of artisans. There are a lot of construction, construction going on in my area. I saw these artisans. They, were, they had their small transistor radio right in the midst of the road. And they were listening to a message. It could have been Pastor Tokes preaching early in the morning. And you don't know how that glad in my heart. Because there used to be a time where when you had artisans met together, they didn't listen to messages. They didn't listen to worship songs. So I'm seeing in my lifetime, and, and forget about what you see all over the place. The gospel is growing. God's kingdom is increasing. That's what I'm telling you. Muslims are getting saved. Edens are getting saved. Oh yeah, there are persecutions in Jos. I also read that yesterday. In Jos, in Ganarop, very close to where the uh, where where couple uh, missions now they watched the shot the shot video some just there about eleven. You read it in the paper. I, I saw the I saw the picture same because I'm surprised that they sent me the picture of the guy as they laid across their fence. Their brains blown apart by bullets from strange people. When you when you see if what you see is that in the mainstream news media, you may think. That there is no hope for the gospel. But if you recline in and then you let God speak to you, you will understand there has been there has never been a better time when the gospel is increasing as now. And I praise God for that. I praise God for that. Glad in my heart to know that. So these guys were listening to the message. And I was I was working. They didn't know. They couldn't have known I'm a, I'm a preacher, and I was an excited preacher listening to the people, having the joy that in my environment, the name of Jesus is growing, the gospel is growing among artisans. The same is happening, brothers, behind the scenes. They are not making headlines, but listen to this. Let me give you one statistic to let you understand it. In the Islam, Islam came into Nigeria before the first missionary ever set his foot on Nigeria. Islam has been in Nigeria before the 1850s or whatever. I don't know when the first, I can't remember now when the first uh, um, explorers came from to set up the Royal Niger Company or whatever it is. You know, Nigerian history, they have not helped us, they have not let us know the history, so we don't know much. I said, what well, we Google, is that correct? Yeah? <laughs> so, we have people who don't know our history, but that's fine. Now, they, they found out that ever before Christianity came to Nigeria, Islam had been for about at least 200 years. But as we speak, as we speak, Nigeria's, Nigeria's um, population is about close to 180, we said. Is that right? That is distributed between Christians, Muslims, and idol worshippers across this, the country. As of now, the level of impact of Islam is 60 million people in Nigeria. Do you want to know the impact of Christianity in Nigeria? 80 million. Now the rest, 70 million or thereabouts, are animists. People who, believe, who worship Shogo Ogun or whatever it is, Amadio or whatever it is. You know, all those things. You know, all, I know. But what I'm trying to say to you is even though Islam stepped into Africa, into Nigeria first, Christianity has caught up and, and, and overshot it. Which means that this gospel of the kingdom is being preached as a witness to all the nations. When I, was, when I was young, when I was young, if you got born again and you went to a church like this, I mean, you were, you were thought strange. You, you went to a church where they talk about Jesus, Jesus. You went to a church and you began to speak in tongues. My, my brothers, my blood brothers, ostracized me. The whole family ostracized me. I'm thinking about that two years ago down the lane. They ostracized me from the family. They stopped my subvention. And you know what it means to stop the subvention of an orphan? How much was this money? Ten naira a month was my subvention. And they stopped the was my offense. I went to church. I prayed in the name of Jesus. I spoke in tongues in my sleep. 
<laughs> that's my offense. I didn't go to parties. I didn't go to club. I didn't go to do bear. I didn't do, I didn't do girls. My offense was I was following Jesus and ostracized me. Now, 32 years backtrack later. All the people who ostracized me, all the people who maligned me, all the people who stopped my salvation, they are sneaking into gospel churches right now. Some of them have become pastors. They are getting saved. Right in my own family. I know the same in your own family too. Praise God. As I speak, many of you are from Muslim families, Muslim backgrounds. And you're saved now. Those are clear signs. Now, I know you are still struggling with worship. You are still struggling with Jesus. Don't worry. You God will get you. He will fix you, right? Okay. You're not as good as you expect to be. Okay. That Muslim thing still comes in. You get what I'm saying? Hmm? But don't worry. Jesus is working on you. But at least, fundamentally, the blood of Jesus has cleansed your spirit. You are saved now. And you put the name of Jesus in your mouth all the time. Don't take it for granted. That is an advance of the gospel. That means the name of Jesus is growing and gaining ascendancy in the earth. That's powerful. I thought you would say praise the Lord for that. So the church of God in Nigeria is growing in the midst, regardless of the assaults and the persecutions against her. The reason is because, and I'll say this, we have found out that every time persecution gets intense, the gospel spreads like wildfire. What does it mean? Either in Bible times or in present time. What it means is this. Maybe the blood of the, of the saints is a fuel for the gospel. Every time the church gets persecuted, the gospel advances. While my brethren are running away from persecution, they, they settle in some places, the start church is there. While they are running away from being killed, they get into some hamlets. They heal the sick there, raise the dead there, cast devils there, people surround them. What are you? They're going to watch the day. Don't worship me. I'm just a human like you. Let's start the church. You read the Bible, book of Acts. So, in respect of the persecution and martyrdom that the church is suffering, the gospel is spreading. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness for all the nations. I guarantee you, Jesus said that. I thought I would hear amen. And these are the things that we need to begin to meditate on, but also begin to ask ourselves the question, if this gospel is spreading and it has spread to me, how am I spreading it to others? Knowing that there is a window in which I live in, a timeline in which I live here that will soon close. Are you here with me? So when the Gentiles have all come in, then God will open the eyes of Israel again to the need of the Savior. I already said that. Let me bring this meeting to a close a little bit. Why should we go? Why should we pray the gospel? Number one, the time is now. Someone said the time is now. Jesus said, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and violent men lay hold on it by force. From the days of John the Baptist, something switched because John the Baptist was a foreigner of the Savior. So there, was a, there, was a, there is a merger of the ministry of John and the ministry of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, of all the prophets that I have lived, none was as great as John the Baptist. Yet he never gave a word of prophecy. Never wrote a book of prophecy. And Jesus said, John was greater than Isaiah, greater than Joel, greater than Malachi, who wrote about the Thite, and Jonah and the rest of them. And he never spoke a word of prophecy. And Jesus said he's the greatest. You know why he was saying that? Because there is the ministry of John and the ministry of Jesus are connected. It was John that was needed to introduce Jesus, the Savior of the world. You get it? That's why Jesus said something shifted, something switched from, from John the Baptist. From the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God began to fast pace. And let me tell you this, it's a fast-moving speed, fast-moving train. It's going to crush every devil, crush every unrighteousness, crush every unbelief, crush every power of hell, crush every Eden government. This power of the gospel, this fast-moving train, and the gates of hell never, don't stand a chance against it. I know, I tell you. I tell you what we are faced building CRC. Because when that thing rises in that place, it's going to make a statement to pass of darkness. And the devil has attacked us in every front. But each step, we keep winning. You know why? Because light is always going to overcome darkness. Darkness can never overcome the light. We have the light of Jesus in us. The light of the gospel that we shared in our heart by faith. And the darkness of the world can never overcome us. And I'm saying that to you. You have no reason to be afraid. You're on assignment. Be proactive about it. 
Get busy with the work of the king and of the kingdom. Shine the light that you are in the midst of the darkness. And watch whatever devil can stand your way. You will crush them. Hello, people? Amen. So why do we go? We go because the, God, the, the time of the Gentiles to hear the gospel is now. We go because we have been sent to preach. Read the book of Romans to me. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 16. Romans 10, 14 to 16. Romans 10, 14 to 16. He says, how then can they call on the, on the one they have not believed in? Who is going to believe in? The Gentiles. It is our job to make the Gentiles believe. Help people. What's our job? To make the Gentiles believe Isaiah 53. It is your job. And I'm saying that to you, whether you are young or old here tonight, rich or poor, married or married, single or married, your job is to make sure that Isaiah 53 gets expressed in the earth. That all men... All human beings understand that Jesus already paid the price. And I doesn't have to shed his blood again. And that what he shed on the cross of Calvary is sufficient to cleanse all men of their iniquities and deal with their sin problem once and for all. That's your message. What's your message? Your message is that Jesus Christ was pierced for the iniquity of all mankind. And he was wounded for that transgression. That through his blood and their healing can come. That's your message. Jesus is our message. What it did is our message. The power in his death is our message. And the assurance of the resurrection is our guarantee for a changed life. I'm a witness. that two years, my life has changed. Changed my life. I never remain the same. Jesus makes that difference. And that's our job. Our job is to go out to the Gentiles. Let them know that. Hallelujah. Why? Because of what? Romans captures it. Says, how then can they accept the? How how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not been? They have not heard. So we have to make them hear. We have to make them hear about Jesus. Anywhere you are, make them hear about Jesus. Amen. Praise God. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? We have to preach to them. Someone say, I have to preach to them. You can't keep quiet. You have to preach to your neighbor. Do whatever it is you have to do. We will help you. The church can only help you a little bit. Amen. As a matter of fact, church is not supposed to help you. Amen. Holy Ghost is supposed to help you. Hello, people. Church is working too hard to take your liberty of preaching the gospel and, and spoon feed you. That's why this is not working, like Ghanaians will say. Huh? <laughs> you are supposed to be convicted of the Holy Spirit and given a homegrown strategy in your spirit as to how to reach this religious gentile that is beside your house. A word. God gave me a word yesterday for someone. We're talking, we're talking, and then I feel like the well, my spirit opened, and I asked the person a, a question. It was shocked. There's no way the person could have. There's no way I could have known that because I've never met this person before in my life. This was the first opportunity, and I asked that question. It was like specific and accurate, and the person looked at his friend and said, "I never told anybody this question. This man asked me right now." <laughs> I, I'm going to know. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, I, 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 I began to feel like a cool guy. But that's why the Holy Ghost still speaks to me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you need to you see that's what the blood of Jesus has done the blood of Jesus will reveal to you things about people that you never knew and you never read about about them that they don't even know about themselves but the moment you release that okay in strategic revelation it will break the highs and then they will open their heart to Jesus and then you will sow the seed and then they get saved so what's our assignment they need to believe for them to believe they must hear for them to hear they must be preaching Verse 15 says, and how can they preach unless they are sent? So for them to preach, they must be sent. Hear me. Oh ye, hear ye, hear ye. I sent you today. Go. Everybody say, yes. My, your blood is off my neck. I said it. Let me hear again. Okay, somebody just walked in. Go! Because the Bible says that, how can you preach except you are sent? I have sent you now. Amen. It says, and how can they pray? let their send as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news a beautiful thing what a beautiful progress you bring into humanity when you bring the gospel with you everywhere you go apart from that people will honor you and respect you the more I have oiled myself in my ministry as a preacher and people have known me as a preacher the more honor I have seen in my life I'm, I'm, I'm shell shocked the kind of people that listen to me and that want me to pray for them or that want me to counsel them or that want me to speak into life I'm saying me 
But you know what has happened? The gospel does that to you. The gospel positions you because you are God now on the earth. That's who you are. You carry God. Do you know that? You carry God on your spirit, on your inside. You are filled with God's spirit. That's who you are. And so, we need to go out and release God through our lips. Release God through the things we do. We carry God. Hallelujah. And the world needs God. And you have what the world needs. That's why God used Paul, who had about five PhDs to change the world and impact the world. That's also why God used Peter, who never went to school. So that you will not say it was because Peter went to school. That's why God used him. Okay, what about Peter? What about what about John? What about Paul? What about John? What about so every one of us, okay, that has given his heart to Jesus, has God resident and residual inside you, and God is yearning for expression through your lips and through the things you do. Because again, I say to you, the door or the window for the Gentiles is still open, but it's to soon close. But by the time it closes. I will have harvested as many people as possible. That's why I'm still preaching. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, let me keep this provision. Nobody will, not everybody will hear you. Not everybody will believe your message. So don't be frustrated by that. Amen. But keep going. Someone said, keep going. I didn't say, you will, you will tell them, come to church and they will follow you. I didn't say that. So you won't go there and say, ah, but pastor said to us that we carry God. Once I say like this, they will follow me. I say, tell me. No, I didn't say that. They didn't follow Jesus like that. <laughs> okay. In fact, Jesus said to them, He says, they even, I even did a lot of miracles for this world. They said, they, 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 they still don't believe. Okay. But we need to keep going. Number two, don't stop investing yourself. Don't stop investing yourself in the kingdom enterprise. What do I mean? There, may, there might be persecution. You may even be desocialized from your friends. When I gave my life to Jesus, my friends left me. They left me. Today they are looking for me. I don't need them. Do you know why I don't need them? Because I have you. Hello, people. How are you doing like that? Say, yes, Pastor. I have you. You're my friends. I love you guys. You guys love me. If you don't have any business in love with me, you won't be here tonight. Praise God. Awkward evening in the city of Lagos, but you are here. Because now I have new friends. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I was socialized. My friends left me. My family members left me. They, isol- they isolated me. They blacklisted me. They took me out of the equation. That's persecution. That will come. So don't cry. Ah, it's going to come. But keep on, keep on doing what? Keep on going. Hello, people. I say keep on going. And never be afraid to share, to continue to represent Jesus everywhere you go. Okay? Because I said, if, you're, if you're ashamed of me before human beings, before your uncles and aunties or whatever it is, said I'll be ashamed of you before my father. All of you young people, you should invite your friends to church. You should, you should proudly, you should, you should, you should, you should wear Jesus proudly. Hello, people. It's always hard for young people to do that because I've been, I've been there before. I gave my life to Christ when I was about 20 years old, and I, there were girls in the neighborhood that I was trying to toast before, I, before this, this. Let me not say unfortunate because coming to Jesus is a fortune. Is that correct? Friend led me to Jesus. I got saved. But a couple of days before that time, that's these girls I was so trying, we were trying, my friend, I was trying, trying to toast in the neighborhood. And I'll give my life to Jesus. What is that self? I'll now have to go to church. One day I carried Bible. Fellowship like that I was coming. One of the girls appeared in the prison. I quickly hid my Bible. So I quickly hid my Bible. I'm trying to say to you that as a young person, you will struggle with identifying with Jesus. You will struggle with Jesus. You won't want to be known with Jesus. You won't know me. So, the Holy Ghost said to me, okay, this scripture, if you are ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you in my father's kingdom. So, this is what I did. So, after that, I remember that I started, wrapping, I started putting my Bible in newspaper. I'll wrap it. I'll carry it. And I'll put it behind newspaper. After the Holy Ghost came in that scripture, I took the newspaper away. I now began to carry my Bible strong. And I had a big Bible. I, I reversed another version. Very big. I used it in all levels. I carried, I carried gospel. Big Bible, not devices. And I began to identify publicly with Jesus. So my friends saw Bible and they said, Bible. They left me. The girls left me. Everybody left me. But I continued to follow Jesus. Carrying, carrying my cross. Following him. At very high cost to my social identity. 
And I lost opportunities. I lost friends. But today, I've gained Jesus. I've gained everything. I've gained the old earth. I've gained my life back. So you need to invest yourself as you close this meeting. Make up your mind. I'm going to invest myself in this kingdom. I'll pay the price, whatever it's going to cost me, so that the name of Jesus can be known. Lift your hands and say, Father, thank you. Help me, Lord. Come on. Ask the Lord to help. I didn't say to you that there's a reward. I must never say that. If you do this, there's a reward. Second Corinthians 5 says, We must appear before God's judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. Whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. And what we are explaining to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. So say, Father, help me to persuade men to follow you. That's our job as we leave this place tonight. Ask for a fresh passion to persuade men. Ask for a fresh tongue. How do I persuade my customers? How do I persuade my siblings? How do I persuade my uncle? How do I persuade my boss at work? Seeing that there is a reward waiting for me. If I do this willingly, without compulsion, if I take the challenge that pastor gives me through the gospel tonight and I go into the highways and, and, and byways and speak to as many gentiles as possible, there's a reward that Bible says, for Lord Almighty, I need your strategy to persuade this man. Will you talk to God tonight? And he will help you. He will give you homegrown strategy, trust me. He did for me. He will do the same thing for you. We hope you heard the voice of the Lord through the message that you just heard. For further inquiries about other helpful resources and counseling, please visit us at the Capstone Church Without Walls or call 080-2318-2030. You can email helpdesk at thecapstoneonline.com. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you indeed.